for listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. This great Wednesday show for you. We're going to talk about the Chicago Bears GM, Ryan Poles, answering a question about Justin Fields. We're going to listen to his answer, and I'm going to give you the translation of that answer. How about that? Yesterday when I started talking about COVID and the Bulls dynasty, the the last dance, March of 2020, what the sports world was like back then, another memory popped to my mind that we got to go over. It was hilarious. One of the best NBA games of the season happened last night in Cleveland. I don't know if you saw this. Maybe you saw the highlights. Dallas Mavericks against the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're going to talk about that game because a lot of weird statistical anomalies in that. And I don't know if you know this, but Shohei Otani is a Dodger, and he played his first spring training game yesterday, and he hit a home run. Because of course he did. He's Otani-san. I love Shohei Otani. We'll get to all that and more coming up momentarily. This podcast is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team, and remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online. The game starts here. All right, we're going to start in the NFL. In case you didn't know, the Combine is this weekend. One of my favorite weekends for NFL coverage because it's just a bunch of college kids running around in their underwear, essentially. No, I mean, they're in biker shorts and jerseys, and it's just, look, we all know NFL draft is witchcraft. Yes, some players may be. Oh, this guy's an this guy's a can't miss, and he ends up being a bust. And somebody that's like, eh, he's a third or fourth rounder, ends up being an all pro. You know, we just never know. So many examples of this has happened. And the best part about it is the amount of people that lose their mind over what they see at the combine. Now, you can see a guy's speed and strength. You can't dispute that. Somebody can, you know, have a lot of speed and the cone drill. Look, look at how fast he goes around the cones. It's like, okay, when in a football game does he run around cones? Never? Thank you. Bench press. Ooh, that guy repped 32 times on the bench. Well, it means he can bench press. Does it mean he can handle Miles Garrett coming off the edge? I don't know. So it's all this stuff that people get so excited about, and you really shouldn't. Have you seen the quarterback drills at the Combine? No defense. No pass rushers. No defense. No cornerbacks hounding your wide receiver. It's just, here, have a guy run a pattern and throw him a 30-yard out. Yes, it shows your arm strength, but, I mean, you got to be able to throw the ball 30, 40, 50 yards if you're going to be a quarterback in the NFL anyway. Showing it to me, same with pro days when these guys are like, I'm not going to the combine. I want to do it on my own home turf with my own players. Great. This guy completed 60 of 60 passes. Once again, no defense, nobody rushing him. It's just, it's, it's hilarious. So what I use the combine for is a lot of the coaches give interviews and stuff like that. Yesterday, they got a hold of Bears GM Ryan Poles. And the Bears, as we know, have the number one pick in the draft. They got to make a decision. Are they going to stick with Justin Fields as their quarterback going forward? If they are, then they're definitely 
I wouldn't say definitely, but they're probably trading that number one pick to move back because they have number one and number nine. So you could package it and move down to four or five and get and have the fifth pick, the ninth pick, and another pick in the first round. And Justin Fields is your quarterback going forward, and you just got him possibly three weapons if you want to go offense on all three of those picks, whatever the case may be. Or they're going to trade Justin Fields, and they're taking Caleb Williams, you would think, with the number one pick. Well, Poles was asked, well, what is your guys' plan for this? And here's the question and the answer. If you decide to draft a quarterback, what is your motivation to trade Justin before free agency starts, knowing that there might be a premium on that? Yeah, again, it just depends on what opportunities pop up. Um, I will say this. Um, I think you guys know me uh, well enough now. I do, if we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information. We'll move um, as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. So that's Ryan Holtz talking about the situation with Justin Fields and basically saying, I'm not going to let Justin twist in the wind. If we decide to move forward, I'm going to trade him, essentially, if that's what we decide to do. My translation of that whole thing was they're definitely trading him. It's just they're waiting for the right deal because they're not just going to trade him for whatever. They want to get the right deal because they're saying, let's see what options are presented to us and he's like well yeah if we trade ryan if if we want to trade justin fields i wouldn't do him wrong i don't want him sitting there in the gray area he will know and we're probably going to know as fans within the next two weeks what the bears are going to decide to do with the first round pick but that answer right there it's almost like the oj book or that oj interview that he did was if i did kill nicole this is how i would have done it It it's kind of like what Paul said there like yeah if we were to go that route and decide we want to take a quarterback with an number one pick, I'm not going to let uh, Justin Fields sit and stew there. Well, I could actually come back to you and say, well, wait a second. If trading Justin Fields is completely 1,000% out of the question and you want him to be your quarterback of the future, why would you have just given that answer? You would have just said, we're keeping Justin Fields. I know he doesn't want to you know, tip his hand. And maybe maybe it is just GM speak. I don't know. But to me, the fact that he verbally and publicly entertained the thought of this is what we would do if we decide to take a quarterback at number one, we're not going to let Justin twist in the wind. That makes me think that he's gone and they're going with Caleb Williams. So yesterday I was talking about The Last Dance, the 10-part documentary on the Bulls that aired during covid It was supposed to air during the summer of 2020, but when COVID hit in March, ESPN decided to move it up. I can't remember how they did. I want to say it was like, wasn't it like three episodes, one weekend, three episodes, another weekend, and then four? I think they, it wasn't one episode a weekend, I don't think. I don't remember it taking 10 weeks, but whatever. It just brought me back to a time in sports where it was just the weirdest time in the world for me. For any of you that are just absolute sports nerds like myself, In March of 2020, it's one of the biggest months. Baseball is starting up. You got the Masters in first week of April, March Madness, the conference championship. You know, the conference tournaments were starting up right when COVID hit, and then one thing gets canceled, and then all of a sudden, you know, we have a nationwide pandemic, and everything got shut down. So I was thinking back, what was one of the first things that was brought to television during COVID that was sports related. Do you remember what it was? Because I certainly do. The first two things that come to mind are 
they had NBA players or athletes. It might not have just been NBA players. Could have been baseball players and um, NFL players basically playing like Madden. And we were watching them play <laughs> Madden on ESPN. And I'm like, this is what's going to hold me over until we're out of this thing? Please. The second thing that I thought was one of the more, I mean, you look back on it now and you just have to laugh. And that is, I remember ESPN did a segment where they had five or six different NBA players. I only remember one that was in it. And they basically said, we're going to watch these guys play horse. And the five or six NBA players had set up cameras at either their house or found a court to go shoot at. And literally on Sunday night during ESPN, we were watching NBA players on a FaceTime call playing a game of horse against each other. And I'm like, <laughs> do you remember this? I certainly do. The one I remember the most was Trey Young. Trey Young was in his backyard, and I swear to God, this guy was shooting on a nine-foot rim, and he had literally one of those portable baskets. Like, this is an NBA player making millions of dollars. I cannot believe this is the basket that he shoots on at home. It's literally something that you would have for your eight-year-old son. Like one of those that's heavy on the bottom, filled with sand, and you can adjust the height. <laughs> Just like, and there's no way, there is no way when, uh, when Trey Young was shooting at that basket that it was 10 feet high. People were commenting on it at the time on social media like, Trey, this basket's a joke. Not to mention the rim was bent forward. Like, <laughs> and Trey, you know, obviously Trey can shoot from 35 feet. And his driveway wasn't even big enough. <laughs> he, was, he could only shoot like, I think, oh, that's what it was. His driveway went straight back. But if he went to the sides and tried to shoot a wing shot, he couldn't because it was in the trees. So the only thing Trey could do in his game of horse was shoot from 20, 25 feet out at the top of the key. And I can't remember who he was up against. I can't remember if he won. But just going back to those times, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I can't believe this is the programming that they were coming up with. And then I think the first like sporting league that started up was remember ESPN was showing Korean league baseball <laughs> and you're just like, and they had, and that's when they had like the placards in the stands of people's heads as the audio, as the, um, as the fans, which then major league baseball adopted. Can you believe we were watching games with wooden people in the stands filling up the seats? Cause they didn't want it to just look empty. <laughs> Boy, COVID was a weird fucking time. Last night in the NBA, in case you missed it, one of the best games of the season, and being a Dallas Mavericks season ticket holder, like I said, I'm a fan. I'm not I, – I don't care what happens to them. If they won the championship, that'd be great, but I'm not like a, a diehard Mavericks fan. I know a lot about them, but I don't, I don't live or die with them. But then again, I don't do that with any team. I just can't get that um, enthralled by a team to where it ruins, like, my, my mood or something like that. We, we know people like this in our lives. Anyway. Cleveland Cavaliers, Mavericks last night in Cleveland and back and forth in the fourth quarter. The Mavericks took a 10-point lead, I believe, with four or five minutes left. And then Max Struess, formerly with the Miami Heat last year, made five threes in the final four minutes of the game, including the last shot of the game. Mavericks were down um, 118-117. 
and the Mavericks had just stolen the ball, called timeout. So with 10 seconds left, Mavericks are down one, 119-118, or 118-117, and they had the ball. Cleveland had no timeouts left, so Mavericks come out of a timeout. They run a play. They, The Cavaliers almost get a steal, but they don't, so that leaves Duke, Luka Doncic in the open court, basically one against three. They, have to, they double him. He passes it down to P.J. Washington, and P.J. Washington lays it in with about two and a half seconds left. Cleveland has to inbound the ball. They have no timeouts left. They inbound it to Evan Mobley. He passes it to Max Struess, and from behind half court by about 15 feet, Max Struess drills a – at the time, we thought it was 60 feet to be exact, a 59-footer as time expired. Cavaliers win 121-119. And, you know, the Cavaliers are going crazy because when do you see a game end like that, especially in the NBA? It just doesn't happen. And then when you look deeper into it, it was the second longest game-winning buzzer beater in the three-point era, according to basketball reference. Only Devontae Graham hit a 61-footer when the Pelicans beat Oklahoma City in 2021. But, look, it was a lucky shot. Mavericks have nothing to hang their head at. They got beat by a lucky shot. Now, granted, should they have blown a 10-point lead with four and a half minutes left when they were up 108-98? Probably not. They're probably kicking themselves. But, my gosh, <laughs> it was that was a crazy game. You just don't see that in the NBA very often. You know, 10-point lead with four and a half minutes left. Mavericks have to close that out and win that game especially when you get a 45 and 14 from Luca. Um, he turns 25 today. They play the Toronto Raptors in Canada today. So today's his birthday. Kyrie had 30 for the Mavericks. And I just, you know, Luca almost had a 45 point triple double. He had nine rebounds and 14 assists. Um, they didn't close the game out like they should have. There's, there's obvious, but when you see something like that, you're like, whoa, because you just don't see that in the end. I mean, you've seen three-pointers hit at the buzzer, maybe even a Steph Curry, you know, five feet behind the line. But chucking in something 15 feet behind half court as time expires to win a game, I guess the only thing better would be if that happened in a playoff game. But a regular season game to win like that, that was not too shabby uh, by the Cavaliers, who, by the way, quietly, if you've just if you're just a casual NBA fan, I don't know if you even know this, Cleveland Cavaliers have the second best record in the Eastern Conference. They're ahead of the Bucs. Like right now, they're seven games behind the Celtics. The Celtics are the number one seed in the East. They are running away with the best record in the NBA. I mean, they are five games ahead of the best record in the West. But man, Celtics, 46 and 12, but the Cavaliers now 38 and 19. I believe they were like 14 and 15 at one point and then went 17 and 1 over an 18 game stretch. So they could be legit. I think they still need to do something in the playoffs. They have to prove that they're playoff tested. I still don't know if in a series against Milwaukee they beat them if they're better. I don't know if they beat the Knicks. The Knicks, the Knicks pounded them last year in the playoffs when I think a lot of people thought Cleveland was going to beat them. Miami Heat are starting to come on. They've won five in a row. So now they're 33-25 and 25 and sitting at the five seed. So probably, I mean, Knicks Heat first round would be great. It's still way early even though – you know, 58 games have been played. There's only 24 games or so left for most of the teams. But the East is the separation between the four seed in the East and the eight seed in the East is two games. 
Knicks, Heat, Sixers, Magic, Pacers, all separated by two games. So those seedings are going to change all season long. Boston's going to be the one. Cleveland and Milwaukee will fight for two and three. And then four through eight, you might as well flip a coin. It's impossible to tell right now. In the West, I'd say Timberwolves, Thunder, Nuggets, Clippers. Timberwolves and Thunder have 17 losses. Nuggets and Clippers have 19. So those four will probably rotate and be your top four seeds in some particular order. But then in the West, seeds five through nine are separated by, well, four games. But five through eight separated by one and a half games. Dallas Mavericks are the eight seed. They've lost two in a row, and they're the eight seed. Before that two game, uh, they before that two game losing streak that they've had, they had won eight in a row, and they had gotten up to the five seed. So that's what I mean. Just dropping any games, not good in the West. But Pelicans, Suns, and Kings all have twenty four losses, and the Mavericks have twenty five. So again, the Mavericks can win a couple games and move back up to the five spot. It's just going to be chaos down the stretch in both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference fighting for playoff seating. And I wanted to end with this. I don't want to be biased here. I don't want anything to be taken out of context. But I think it's safe to say that Shohei Otani is on pace for 162 home runs this year. First game yesterday in <laughs> the in a Dodger uniform, played his first spring training game, and struck out in his first at-bat. Then he grounded into a double play in his second at bat. And you're almost like, geez, man, he sucks. And then what did he do in his third at bat? He hit a home run. And if you were watching it and you saw the highlight, to me, that looked like a lazy fly ball to left field. I could not believe that ended up being a home run. I don't know if the wind was blowing out in Arizona, but he is just stupid, filthy. He's not going to pitch. He's not going to play the field this year. All this guy do, all this guy's gonna do is have to concentrate on hitting the baseball, which he's the best in the world at. He is. And then today, we get the debut of Yoshinobu Yamamoto, the three-time MVP. This guy won the MVP in the Japan League, I believe. Yeah, Japan League, right? Three years in a row. So he signs with the Dodgers for ten years and three hundred and twenty-five million dollars scheduled to make his Dodgers spring debut today against the Texas Rangers. It's on here uh, at local time, 4 o'clock on the MLB Network. I'm definitely going to watch this guy because if you've already seen clips of him, you're like, whoa. If you've already seen his workout routine, you're probably like, holy crap. This is a pitcher? Guy's throwing javelins in the outfield, getting ready to throw baseballs. He's basically plastic man when he stretches uh, the amount of stretching this guy can do how he stretches it's just like it's it's almost like watching Steph Curry if anybody's ever been to a Golden State Warriors game in the Steph Curry era you know his routine you get there an hour before the game you can watch this guy's routine it is like clockwork he does the same thing in every arena homer away does the same drills everything apparently Yoshinobu Yamamoto does the same exact thing and it's even more bizarre. I mean, you're not seeing him throw a strike from the outfield, but it's different than watching a basketball player warm up because you could be like totally impressed because he makes every shot. This guy is just warming up and stretching, but he's doing things that pitchers just don't do. 
And I'm curious to see how it plays. I'm curious to see how good this guy is. Like, look, I don't think he's coming to the States. 10 years, $325 million, he's going to suck. I mean, the Dodgers have had great success with bringing over pitchers from Japan. Hideo Nomo. You know, I mean, he's Kenta Maeda. Like, they have done really well. And those guys apparently don't hold a candle to Yamamoto. I can't wait. Look, we're probably going to get one inning of him today, maybe two. So it's not like you're going to get a large sample size here. But you'll be able to tell. And from all accounts and the reports that I've read coming out of Dodger camp, this guy is just stupid filthy. And I can't wait to watch him. And I can't believe he's on my team along with Shohei Otani and Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Will Smith. <laughs> this team. Oh, just pencil him in for 115 wins and then a first-round loss in the playoffs. I say it jokingly, but I, I'm a Dodger fan. I can only think the worst because if I think the best, I'm going to be like, what? Huh? What happened? What, what happened? The same thing that's happened 10 of the last 11 seasons, Steve. They dominate the regular season, and they fall flat on their face in the postseason. So I just set my expectations low. I don't care what they do in the regular season. But, man, unless, you know, so, you know, we're here a month before the season starts. We're Unless some major injuries happen, um, they're going to dominate the regular season, easily win over 100 games, probably closer to 110, 115. And... You're going to get to the postseason. I mean, if you have a healthy Kershaw, if you have a Walker Bueller, now you got Yamamoto, who's apparently a stud. Dustin May comes off the deal. I mean, this team has zero excuses. Zero. If they have their full lineup, at least seven of the main seven, which is Betts, Otani, Freeman, Smith, Muncie, Gavin Lux and Jason Hayward. You know, Hayward's an old vet, but solid bat. If they have those seven in the lineup, you can even throw Kike Hernandez in for Jason Hayward. I like Kike. If those seven are in the lineup for every playoff game they play, they have no excuses. None. Unless their pitching gives up 10 runs a game. Like, <laughs> Man, I I know it's March. I don't want to talk too much Dodger baseball all season, although I probably will every time uh, Otani hits a home run and Yamamoto strikes out, you know, 10 in five innings or something like that. So be prepared. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Follow me on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review. Please, please hit play. That's the only way your my podcast is getting uh, downloads. If you miss a day, go back and press play. I'd really appreciate it. Again, pass it along to your friends. Let them know about it. We're getting bigger here at the Sports Daily, uh, part of the Believe Network right now. Um, signed on with them about a week ago. We're going to start getting more interviews uh, for this podcast. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.